Welcome back to another episode of the Koi's R Us podcast. This is episode 30. I'm Joel. I'm with Ben and I'm with Jesse. Our window is closed. Our long, crazy, wild transfer window. The January window is hard. That's what Steve Hitchin told us. <laughs> so um, I guess that's probably the, the best place for us to start today. Uh, talk a little bit about the window. We'll talk a little bit about um, what the rest of our season looks like. Um, get into a little bit of a preview for the city match as well. To kick us off, maybe the best way to do this is to think about how you guys think our window went. So if if you're looking at um, like a scale from one to 10 and Ben, maybe we could start with you. What do you think? How do you think our window went? I think probably what, like a six or a seven slightly above average. I mean, we at least got our main target. I'll give them that, but it took the entire month and we paid the full price for him. So I don't know why we didn't just pull the trigger earlier. It did sound like uh sporting were playing hardball and kind of moving the goal line a lot. Um, Sounds just like they really didn't want to get, let go of Poro, which fair enough. I get it. You know, I remember when we did that with Modric back in the day, um, we, we played a hardball with Bale for <laughs> that one summer. Um, so, I mean, I, I do get it. But the main thing, the reason why I would say that it, it's still uh, just slightly above average or average, because at least, again, January's are tough. We did get we did, you know, like I said, get our top target, but we're still just kind of straddling the fence in terms of are we are we buying for Conte? Are we buying for the future? What's our plan? It just it doesn't seem like we've really made a decision one way or the other. I think last time we spoke, we were saying by by our next pod, we'd have an idea of whether or not they're backing Conte. <laughs> I don't think I was right about that because I have no idea still <laughs> if they're trying to back Conte, if they're they're planning for the future. Um, it was disappointing to see he'll go out. I I I don't get it. Uh, Conte's turnarounds on him are like, uh, you know, like weather in, in the mountains or something. It's like every every few hours he's got a different opinion on whether or not he'll can cut it. Um, and to see him go back to Spain. I mean, what like doesn't he don't we want to see him at least play in the Premier League? Uh, similar with Spence. I, I'm glad that he at least went somewhere that he's going to be getting full minutes. What, did he go to Ren? I think is he joined. Yeah. Down there. Um, so I, I think his decision was mostly about getting the most playing time, which I completely understand, even though he also I would would have liked to have seen get a bunch of playing time in a lower league, mid-table uh, Premier League team. Uh, but, We've already seen him do that, though. Well, he was in a championship team. I mean, he was in the top tier championship team. But I, I would like to see him play, you know, for a Fulham or a Villa or something like that would would, would have been nice, I think. Crystal Palace. I, I, don't, I don't know who would have needed a right back, but I would have preferred that. Um, but yeah, overall, it's just it feels like we are kind of in a uh, a little bit of a stasis until Conte, I guess, decides what he wants to do. And I feel like his we've talked about this a little bit before, but his body language, the way he st- he talks, it feels like he's distancing himself more from Spurs, maybe not in a super negative way, but he just he doesn't feel that invested in it. And I mean, who knows? I could be completely wrong. It's impossible to read the, uh, the body language of a of an Italian manager over the seas just by a few video clips and this and that, but he just doesn't yeah. seem that into it. Yeah, I don't uh, know if he's ever been the guy that's going to wear the freaking shirt and be kissing the badge like Poach was or, you know, um, um, uh, uh, Wenger or any of these these super long-tenured guys that have been there forever that really, um, you know, became who they were. Um, Sir Alex with the, with the club, Sir Alex, you know, another great well, yeah, like project managers versus, you know, yeah, and that's not content. Like, I don't, I don't right. know. I've, I'm not going to pretend I've seen all of his touchline and all of his interviews when he was at Chelsea or Juve or wherever else he's been. Um, but like, that's just not, that's not his thing. Um, you know, like, it, although Poach wasn't here as long as Sir Alex or, or Wenger or some of these other people like that, um, you know, the, the, this is where he became who he is, right. He was a Southampton manager before that. And that's where he became, you know, became sort of that, that guy that was a, you know, looked at as a top manager. So I don't know if he's ever going to be, or if, you know, here or anywhere else be like, Oh yeah, have that same kind of stuff. So um, he's also, you know, a professional and a guy who's good as its job. So you don't have to have the same passion that the coach does, or we do about the team to still get results. Obviously the results, 
that we all want that he wants haven't been achieved yet. I don't think any of us, if we were really being realistic, thought that they'd be, you know, happening by now. I mean, they're still, he, he had a, a half of a, you know, or three quarters of the season last year. We didn't win a cup. Um, if you would have expected us to have won something last year, that's crazy. You know, this year, there's still a chance, you know, to, to do it, not walking us into the quarterfinals, but anything can happen in the champions league. And, and, um, Inter looks, uh, uh, or Milan looks really, really bad. Um, so, you know, once you get to the quarters, anything else can happen. FA Cup's still up for grabs. So there's still things that could, could happen well, but generally good window. I think uh, super annoying with how long it took. We know that like January, you're not going to be solving every possible, um, every possible thing you need. But we went into the January window with a couple of bullet holes. We got the bullet out and we got it stitched up. Okay, we're, our knees are still bleeding. And uh, we're, you know, we've got some some uh, ringing in our ear. There's other spots that we need to get filled in, but we we fixed, you know, the major hole, which was that right wing back. Um, you know, we're one of the major holes. We had a couple bullets in us, right? Uh, the the center back hole is uh, is still bleeding, and we're just uh, putting some fresh gauze on it. <laughs> but we on well, the lack of creativity. I don't know. I mean, Dan Juma could end up doing being that, but. It, it seems like he's more in that Bergwine type. Uh, he seems like a finisher, not a creator. Right. Yeah, I mean, he did have six or seven assists um, uh, last year in La Liga and Champions League, so not a ton, but that would be well, more than we'd, we'd had, you know, previously. And per- Pora will be a creator from from that wing back, too, I guess, to be fair. Maybe they, they filled two holes with that one player. Maybe that's why that was that important is – because um, what, what could that do space-wise for Kulisewski in particular? Yeah, really that's what I was going to say. Because yeah. if they're going to both be on that right side, then that then gives you a little bit of – you have, like, double the creativity, which also means that one of those guys could p- potentially float inside. And then you also have a healthy Benton Kerback who has done a lot to, like, pers- uh, push the – ball forward from the midfield well then He's real not- quick just to go back to the idea of on the right side imagine right now where say you have Kulseski and Royal Royal as, as your two attackers and there's two defenders on them if Kulseski drifts inside they're gonna both go with Kulseski why are they gonna stick outside with Emerson who can't cross the ball at all I mean just like all right just yeah. The most that's, simple, yeah that's yeah. my point yeah right um I mean I would say this window's probably a six and a half, maybe a seven. Um, I can't really say any any more than that for all the reasons that you guys named. I mean, to Jesse's analogy, it's like, you know, we're not dying anymore, but we're still injured. <laughs> well, one one other thing, just real quickly, is last January when we got Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt, I think everybody was like, ah, that's, you know, not bad. That sounds like he just went and raided his former club. Like, Again, we know this is true, but we, we'll have to wait and see how, like, how does Poro actually adapt? You know, like what it could be a huge impact or it could sure. be another, you know. But, but I'm also not banking. Ladies. I'm not banking on the players that we got this January to turn into Benton Kerr and Kulisevsky. Like that usually doesn't happen. It usually does not. If it happens again, then that would be amazing. And then that's yeah, <laughs> like, great. Then maybe the window's an eight. Um, but as for or right now, ten even. yeah, I mean, I think there have been moments throughout the course of the season where we've gotten on this very same podcast and talked about the lack of creativity and that we needed a little bit more of a scoring threat. Even the last episode, we were talking about how, like, all of the scoring seems to come from Kane. And so if we can get a little bit more of a even a scoring threat, even if they're not necessarily like bagging goals every game. But somebody that can whip the ball into the box, somebody that can provide, um, you know, a 70th minute sub and come in and actually threaten the goal, because um, I don't think Dan Juma is going to be starting. Like, I do think that those are improvements and provide things that we don't have. The reason that it's probably not any higher than a seven is the fact that, like, our biggest problem as a club right now is the fact that we let in too many goals. And so it seems pretty clear that we needed some defensive support. We didn't get it. Um, And I think that there was a chance that we weren't going to get it. Like I, we've been talking about Poro since the world cup ended. And so like, 
if nothing else, we absolutely had to get this guy. By all accounts, he absolutely wanted to come to Spurs. And so it was really just a matter of dealing with sporting. So great. I'm glad we got the right wing back. We don't have to see Emerson Royale play uh, start every game anymore. Um, and I think that also allows him to be the backup option, which is actually not that bad. To the same point, like, I'm really not that miffed about Doherty. Like, uh, just you know, the way it happened. It's not, it just yeah. seems like the, the, the club obviously wasn't prepared for that. that they, they planned a yeah, loan, they just the gave away 18 months. Yeah. Egg on our it's face. the way it happened. Yeah. 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 I'm not upset that it, that it happened, but it's just like, dude, like, it I makes mean, us look incompetent. I mean, that's just that's <laughs> obviously that's not Papa Paratici's job. That's some, you know, that's a, a, a junior, junior person that just keeps track of all of those things of, you know, uh, here's here. There, there are different rules, right? Different different leagues and different things have different rules. So that that's got to be somebody's job who keeps track of the homegrown. And this so and what, I, and the, what I'm curious about this once even once they figured that out, why would they not just retract the loan or loan him to a different premier league club or because it wasn't only about going to another country it was a fo- about a foreign loan right if, if i just the, don't understand why if they- the loan was already completed and the paperwork was signed and then they found out so i mean either, yeah we that's violate that's kind of- that's what i'm assuming is like the loan was the late. loan was done and then they found out like oh shit we can't do that which is even more incompetent right I like, know. yeah i think there's like <laughs> didn't something- even find out till it was over I- i've had some like you know, just general casual talks with not in this league, but other leagues in the U S that um, of just kind of what, how that stuff actually works with like once teams agree to a trade or in this case, teams agree to a loan, like, you know, then you, you email fax call or something you have to like clarify. And there's usually a league or whatever representative that kind of keeps track of those things and says, I don't know. It, maybe there's a list of questions of yes, okay. Do you have this to other people before they can make it officially official? Whoever oversees that, if it's UEFA or something. So it sounds like maybe the clubs got to all their buttons. Uh, you know, all their stuff was lined up, but um, the league call or whatever the whatever it would be called in Europe, the FA um, probably. Yeah, said hey, this this can't happen. Well, somebody probably yeah. got fired over that one. So right now, our loan list. And I'm going off memory, so forgive me if I forget anyone. We've got Ndombele out. We've got Roden out. We've got Harry Winks, Sergio Regulon, Joe Roden, Jed Spence. Celso. Giovanni Lacelso, Destiny Udogi. Udogi. Uh, is that everyone? Is Skip, Skip still with us? Skip is still with us. Yeah, no, I just pulled up transfer market. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Tangi, Destiny, Geo, Sergio, Jed, Harry, uh, Brian, and Joe. Yeah, I mean, that's the dumbest thing of just <laughs> as well. It's it's one thing where, like, I don't think Joe's going to have any real future place in this league but or in this team, but, like, at least it's it's some of these guys who, like, they're, they're there to get the work, like, like destiny geo i mean and- i feel like i feel like joe roden's a good player i feel like he wasn't set up for success in the jose Mourinho system of let's defend for 75 minutes yeah like not he that you need ready to be for that a spry young person to, to be a center back but he's already 25 also like he's not he's not a a super young dude, which was well, somehow he was on Spurs for like three plus years without getting any game time. Right. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing is Mourinho and Conte and a little bit of Nuno in there, but they've, I don't want to say they've wasted, but man, they've wasted a lot of years of a lot of young players careers. And I, I think mean, that also they didn't develop them know, at all. It is, it is about the coaching, but I think it also is like, yeah, I don't know. The way that we develop yeah, the, our youth it's more than system. just the coaching. Yeah, yeah, like the like putting guys in positions to succeed. Like I feel like the way that we've handled Dane Scarlett is a positive example. Um of like, okay, he's good. He's gotten some opportunities to work with the first team when he was young. He played a few small games. Let's get him out on loans. Let's l- let him work his way up the system. Well, what like, we that's kind of what Skip, you're supposed to be doing. What we exactly. did with Skip until the injury. Yeah. What we did with Kane back in the day, even. I mean, that he how many loans did he go on? At least four or five. five. Yeah. yeah. Um I think the other thing but, too, like there just... are other examples of us just not doing a good job of that. And I think just the way that 
Jed Spence, I mean, obviously he was someone that we got in. He wasn't homegrown, but like Roden is one of the perfect examples of that, though, for real. I mean, how yeah. much playing time did he? Why not just loan him out to a to a Premier League team a couple years ago? Let him get some minutes or a championship and, team. And like honestly, I think he could play on a Premier League team, or at the very least, um, what he's doing now, which is like playing for a top division in in another country. Um, I mean, in any event, outside of the loans. Well, actually, let's talk about the loans for a little bit more. Sounds like a lot of those people that we named, like your Indombolas and your Lacelsos and your Winks, are people that we really just wanted to sell, but nobody wanted to buy them. And or they couldn't buy them because nobody outside of England has any money. Um, that's I mean, that's a big part of the problem right now, right? Is you see yeah. these English clubs throwing money away to buy these players and then they can't recycle any of their dead wood out because... All they can do is loan them or sell them for well below the what the asking price would be if they were going anywhere except the Premier League, right? And or we know way. our club is not going to <laughs> just buy players without knowing that they're going to get their money back. Um, and so that puts us in a bind. And I think some of those players like are going to then be issues that we're going to have to deal with again this summer. Like we kind of kicked the can down the road, but the problem isn't solved. A lot of those guys are still under contract outside of uh june of 2023 and that could potentially have some impact on what we're able to do this summer with that said the two things we know even without looking at how the rest of the season plays out we know we have to get a center back and we know we have to get a goalie and we have to get people that can start in both of those positions this summer like those two positions are kind of non-negotiable and if we don't get those, then the window's going to kind of be a failure. Um, we've been talking about right wing back for at least a year now. And so it seems like that position is finally shored up. Um, but like center back probably need to get two of those, honestly, but at least one. And the goalie is 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 clear as well. And so I, I do wonder how much those returning loan guys are going to impact um our flexibility and capability to do that. Yeah. And we got to get some of them all off the books. I mean, I, I've got the, the, the transfer market up still. So, um, and uh, through 2025, uh, geo through 2025, Regulon through 2025, obviously Jed, we hope comes back 2027 winks through 2024 heel. We also come hopes come back 2026, uh, Roden 2025. So still at least these guys with the exception of Winks have multiple years left. Obviously you can do this stuff with loans, but it, this is, we've kind of gotten here because we, uh, you know, abuse feels too, like a little bit too strongly of a word, but we kind of abuse the loan system. And like, look at the guys that we have currently on loan, uh, Longley, Poro, uh, Decky and Anjuma. Two of those guys, actually one of those guys, pure loan, right? Longley, we're not, there's no, we're, I don't think we're buying him. Um, Danjuma, they said that we might, you know, we'll see how he does towards the the rest of this year. Is that an obligation on that one, uh, Danjuma? I thought it was an option. Yeah, it was an option. Okay. Um, uh, and Decky and Porter are obviously loans in name only. We're going to buy them. Right. We're just Especially playing Decky, this, you know, but... dollar thing. I, I, I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and outs of Premier League finances, but some of these things, yeah, if they don't have money, but like, not the doc is going to be, oh my God, we gave up a 30 year old right back who was not playing for us that much anyway. Like not that it, that's a huge thing, but now we are maxed out with some of this stuff and we've got to figure out some other things to do. And none of these guys, all these guys loan ends at, you know, a year that you can extend the loan, but like, we've got to sell a couple of these guys, even if we're like, Geo's not going to all of a sudden, you know, one day be, you know, Villarreal's be like, you know what? Wow. Let's here's 50 million. You know what? We, we thanks for lo- loaning him to us for a couple of years. Like we're not going to, recapture what we paid for them take somewhat of a loss and just keep it moving so that we can we can have some more flexibility so um you know we can i mean yeah i mean to your point even thinking about how guys have done on on loan and nobody's really tearing it up abroad outside of udogi and we know that he's 100 starting for us next year anyway so like outside of the player that we know is already going to be on our team I haven't seen much from the other loan guys that is going to like entice other teams to want to go for them anyway. 
So even if we right. could sell them, like I don't know how when, much interest there is for Harry Winks or Tangy and Domblay right now. Well, and Winks and and um, and um, uh, Sergio in particular have where is Sergio uh, have, Regulon even? Pl- I it's don't been even injury. It's been injury issues. They they they've all they've missed Athletic like almost their entire season so far. Say that Atletico. I mean, it's at least in theory where he's. Playing. Oh, where he is, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Atletico, but yeah, okay. both of those guys have missed with a ton of injury issues so far. Yeah, they Winks, both had, you Winks know, just got back like two weeks ago. Exactly, and I think the same with uh, with with uh, Reggion. Um. So yeah, but you're right though. Like none of our loaned out players are are <laughs> they're having trouble even maintaining whatever value they had, let alone growing that back to what it was. Um, I guess we're getting loan fees and they're covering their wages, obviously. Like, I hope we're not paying to, to actually have to loan these players in addition to then losing contract years and the value decreasing even more. But this is like, uh, I mean, this is what the ultimate version of a sunk cost fallacy, right? Like he, we, we bought them. They weren't as good as, as we had hoped they'd be. They didn't pan out. I don't think you can just keep loaning these players out in perpetuity, hoping they somehow you know, regain their form to the point where you can sell them for what you bought them for. <laughs> I just don't see that happening, especially in Dumbele and Lachelso, right? Like those this is two. The, uh, this is the Delhi concept, <laughs> right? Like that's that's essentially what happened. He was worth like $80 million at what point or pounds. And then, um, then we're like paying to have another team get rid of him who then pays to have them get rid of them. And, then and just, was, I mean, granted, he was I mean, what PFA young player of the year, two years in a row. Like, There was no reason for us at the time to believe that he was going to fall off of a cliff. However, um, I think once that decline started, there was a little bit of like us just waiting for him to come good. Um, And I think with that in mind and everything that you've said about the loan players, I do wonder, like, what do you do with Sonny? Because... I'm I'm and I'm saying this outside of the fact that he's in a poor form because I was actually saying this last summer anyway. Understanding where he is in his career and understanding that he probably peaked last season in well he definitely peaked. He's probably, he's not going to win the golden boot again. Do you think that him being on the team is more valuable in the long run than whatever you could acquire for him if he were sold because well, same same if with we Kane, hold on to, to him honest. for another two years right like his value might be in the toilet and then we're we're back to Deli alley um well same same question applies to kane though does it not i mean he's 29 30 now what he's i think he's 29 right but um he's- yeah he's 29 going on 30 i think the difference for me between kane and son is it was the pace thing right I mean, the son is so reliant on pace and that's the first thing to go <laughs> there's a there's kane a lot of different there's a lot of differences yeah. um kane might be the best spurs player of all time so that, let's start there right um and so like it would be you would need to have a lot of evidence that he like i feel like it would be a harder sell no pun intended, to explain why you're actually making this move. Where I so you're think, saying keeping him because he's more of a talisman, though, rather than necessarily yeah, I think I think the... I think it's because the fact that he's the most productive player on our team. He's one of the best players in the world still. He's probably still got a good five or six years left in the tank. Um, I think he's, to your point, he will continue to be elite after the the youth disappears because he has a lot more his skill set is not as reliant on yeah um and i think just like what he means to spurs what he means to the tottenham community like it's there is a lot of a difference between but the thing is so but if we were to sell son and especially if we sell son and conte leaves what is kane gonna resign well, there's also I mean, like, the other part of it is the commercial aspect of it as well right, right. there's no bigger club in south korea um than spurs and and maybe mm. not not all of asia but but he's he's one of the best players in in uh in the afc so um and one of the you know playing at one of the the bigger clubs right um what's his name the guy that we tried to sign uh the defender that uh, Mourinho was just quoted talking about um i can't kim, remember his name but kim the one that went I mean, to arsenal no not that guy the other one no, no he's no. he's he's in uh he's in napoli i think kim yeah that sounds right yeah, something. I know but anyway, about. so but so Sonny's one of the one of the bigger things. So there's there's that aspect as well, right? 
Leeds, you know, isn't just signing yeah, the, guys like the McKinney Club America. because they're good. They're, Leeds is is doing what Fulham was doing 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I mean, like, there's clear, like, Pulisic, Pulisic's value was what it was in the Premier League as well because of the commercial because aspect of, of getting new American fans, right? There still hasn't been a fully unlocking of all the American commercial business that um, that will open up stuff even more. So same thing there. I mean, there is obviously it's uh, soccer is bigger in Korea and that a lot of that's due to Sunny, but there's that aspect of it as well, that, that Sun is a huge, huge commercial thing. I'm, I'm sure when they're looking at every kind of metric that you might want to look, whether it's Jersey sold or, uh, you know, uh, website visitors, viewers, those kinds of things that 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 Spurs are seeing. That they're probably seeing a, a lot of stuff from South Korea, and they're like, "Well, we're going to keep some of these people if they uh, if Sunny is gone, but we're going to lose a whole bunch of them." You know, at the same time, seventy seventy million on the table. Do you take it this summer? I mean, like. Because I'm taking that deal. Depends on what we're going to do it on. If we're just going to be like, great, you know, but like in theory, yeah, sure. But, uh, you know, then that's we've got to figure out. It's also easier to say that right now than it was obviously last summer, um, depending on how he finishes this year. But in theory, then, yeah, Richarlson is leading the, uh, you know, is is on the on that side and has has some more time to play. And um, and if we re-sign Danjuma, then, yeah, like then not Sunny becomes expendable, but we're will have spent the last couple summers or last couple of windows filling in a replacement, um, you know, for him there, which would be, which would be positive. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there is a certain level of future planning that Spurs quite frankly have not done well at. Um, and so like, I think that includes making the hard decision, like knowing when to let go of Delhi, knowing when to let go of Toby knowing when to let go of Erickson. And we just have not done that knowing when to let go of Eric Dyer. Um, we still haven't done that. And so like, I, I fear us continuing to wait until it's too late to let go of guys until like making the hard choice, unless uh, instead of rather making the hard choice and letting go of them before they're completely washed up. I guess the other news now that our window is closed, um, there was this pending, set of questions that the supporters trust had sent to the board that they had been waiting for a response on the board waited until the window was closed to respond to some of these questions. I'm not going to get into all of it. Um, but I know that that's kind of been the talk of the town, so to speak over the course of today, this is we're recording this on Thursday when the, when the response came out, it's interesting because, you know, the, the board did what you would expect the board to do, which is like, kind of answer the questions, but kind of sidestep the difficult ones. There were questions in there about, you know, what are the club's plans moving forward? How are we future planning? How are we being ambitious? How are we backing the manager? Um, they gave a lot of corporate answers. And I think one of the concerning things that a fan would notice uh, in reading those statements is it did seem like the focus is very much on like maintaining revenue um, which is like what every Spurs fan has kind of accused the board of and not being ambitious enough, not really caring too much about whether or not we win, but just making sure that we stay close enough to top four to get that Champions League money um, and making sure that we're sustainable instead of being, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, ambitious in free agency. We're kind of just spending enough to ensure that we'll be able to make it back. And I do wonder how sustainable a model that is, especially when you look around the league. Um, Chelsea spending like there's no tomorrow. City has created a, a dynasty from spending. Newcastle looks like they're up next. Um, Arsenal has spent a lot of money and are now top of the league. Um, and now United also looks like a team that that's, that's back uh, in business and, and kind of back to where they used to be. So I do wonder how the board is going to be able to manage those two things. You, you know, you want to be a top four club. You're not really pushing hard enough to win trophies, but you want to be good enough to make money from it. And I think if we continue on the path that we're currently on, it's going to be difficult to even get the top four because everybody else is spending. 
it seems it seems like FFP is a little bit of a joke. And I almost like was laughing to myself as I was reading the board statement referring to FFP because it's like it doesn't seem like other teams are really all too worried about that. Um, so I don't know why we are. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I don't think we need to 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 beat the dead horse because a lot of what they said is stuff that I think we already just confirmed, uh, confirmed what we already know about our board. But I, I really do wonder as we talk about the future of the team and the future of Conte and the future of Harry Kane, like how this is going to even be a sustainable model, never mind an ambitious one. I don't know how sustainable uh, Chelsea's model is right now. They're really flouting financial yeah, yeah, fair play and signing fair. these like seven, eight years, like this contracts are six, seven, eight years, whatever they are. Um, I think we all knew that, especially when Newcastle got bought by a, you know, a, st- a nation state that, uh, that it was going to be, it was going to make those top four positions much harder to attain because city and now Newcastle for, Maybe not next year, but in the next few years, those are basically going to be write-ins for the top four. Um, Chelsea at the at the time, I think. So wait, wait, when did Newcastle get boxed? I think we did have three last at the time, year. But yeah, it was at the it was before Chelsea got sold, though, right? Because that was in like March or April last year. Newcastle was the beginning of last year, I think, right? It's before yeah, the transfer. I don't remember the timeline, but, but it was. Well, yeah. they they, got, they did a bunch of transfers in January, so it had to have been before yeah. the window. Anyway, yeah, it looked right. like potentially it was like that fourth of the top four spots was going to be the only one not controlled by an oligarch slash nation state, and that it would be like Liverpool, City, Arsenal. Um, who am I leaving out here? But the, basically, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the big six that it had bifurcated into a, a big three of of international money <laughs> amounts of money, and then the other three that are like more traditionally run clubs not that they don't have a lot of money liverpool and, and united especially have plenty of money arsenal have has money and spurs have money but not to the same degree so we knew that it was going to get really competitive for the top four and i i don't see us winning a title anytime in the near future unless we get like a just everything goes our way basically every signing we make is just a huge impact for us and Harry Kane is good for several more years than just like everything clicks somehow. Other than that, like, and not to be pessimistic about that, but I think that's the reality of it, that we're going to have a hard time competing against, against the likes of especially city. And then now Newcastle, uh, as, as once they build up their full team and, uh, Chelsea is obviously having a, a tough time of it this, this, uh, this year, I guess Arsenal is the team though, that would prove me wrong. Cause they, um, Again, while they have money, they've also they've been careful about how they built up the club. They've and they've I spent just, a they, lot of money. Say it. They have they have spent a lot of money, though. but they've also haven't just purely bought. I mean, one of their best players is from their academy, right? Their coach they've had for how many years now? A former player that they let him go through his growing pains and build their team a little bit. Like this, that, that reminds me much more of like the Pope Spurs than the current version of Spurs or the current version of, uh, you know. City or Chelsea or uh, or Newcastle, where they just get, go out and buy the finished product. I think this is kind of similar to what we were just talking about with loans, though. Is like you are too focused on what you want to achieve right now. You're playing everything very tightly, and because of that lack of future planning, you, you actually end up shooting yourself more in the foot. If we are going to be very cautious with our spending. I do fear that that is actually going to lose us money um, because it's going to be more difficult to your point. You were basically a big seven. Now we're not even a big six. And so like that top four, that was a dream 10 years ago, to be fair. um, Had then at some point kind of became a norm towards the end of the Pochettino era. We lost it for a while. We just recently got it back. And I do wonder like, if we're not being intentional about competing with the other teams in that big seven, um, how, how rare the top four may end up becoming. And it, I didn't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a football board member. Um, so maybe there's, there's other aspects of it that I'm not fully understanding, but I, I do wonder about how sustainable of a model it is to just like, you know, we're going to try a little bit. We're not going to try that hard, but you know, we got Beyonce coming. So <laughs> that's really all we care about. 
I don't know. Um, this is the Coys R Us podcast, episode 30. As I said, we made it to 30, which is, I feel like that's like a nice little milestone. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Coys R Us podcast. Looking ahead, we've got City upcoming, um, followed by Leicester City, and then we are back in the Champions League. We've also got a couple new players to bet into the system, um, but our coach is out with, what was it, gallbladder surgery? Um, he had a, he had his gallbladder removed recently. Yeah, but I saw Ali G or somebody said that he's going to be back uh, for the Leicester match. Like oh, He wow. might be in the stadium for the Man City. You know, passing notes uh, angrily from the from the suite or whatever, which is wild. Okay, well, that was actually going to be my next question: is you know how worried are we about the city match if Conte's not on the sideline? But um, it I'm worried like about Hunt, Conte's health while he's sitting in the stands watching that thing. Yeah, right. Got to be a blood pressure issue there. I mean, uh, if you're uh, opposite, if you've been on Spurs Twitter or seen any Spurs mentions on on Twitter, you'll have seen opposition. Uh, and neutral fans every time we don't post a beautiful result against the top six rival showing you Conte can't even beat any top six rivals. Obviously I'm kidding, but maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need Conte on the sideline to, to beat city because uh, you know, the last six or seven results against uh, top six, whatever clubs or whoever you want to include in there, but it, it's not been good. I mean, just off the top of the dome this year, obviously, uh, lost to lost to, lost United, to Liverpool, lost, lost Liverpool, to United, lost to Arsenal, lost to City, um, drew lost Chelsea, to, lost, to, Arsenal lost twice. to Newcastle. Yeah, so I mean, it's not been great this year. Um, so yeah, that's that's one point against the other big six over yeah. the course of the other big seven, I should say, because uh, Newcastle beat us as well. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a good point. Do you think Poro starts, or is that too too soon? No, that's bonkers. Without Conte in practice, you would assume, or at least being able to do all of the stuff that he's doing, that would be. So that means wait. That means Emerson is our only recognized. I think Poro, you right run now. him out like depending on what's happening at, at you know in in the second half. But I don't, I don't know what um, Sporting was was you know what their system looks like versus ours. But you know that'd be kind of a a wild start. Obviously, he's. Wasn't um was it wasn't the city match last uh winter the first game that Kulisevsky started? And he yeah, but scored, I think he got he scored a sub in like in 10 first. minutes. He had, he got a sub in first, I think. Um yeah, he he didn't come on the last day of the window though, right? Didn't they come like a week earlier or something like that? That might be true. I don't I don't remember if he played in any matches prior to that one. I just remember that being his first start. Um I mean, I don't this know, man. To, like, if this goes back to why would they have sold Doherty? Like, when I mean, he still had some value to the club. Like, if you have one injury, if Emerson or Poro gets injured, I mean, if Poro gets injured, it's just Emerson for the rest of the year, and we have nobody else. Like, yeah, I don't know when Sanchez he came out in, there, but I pulled up his match log sir, for uh, for a quick look. But twenty three minutes in the FA Cup, um, fifteen minutes sub versus Southampton. 63 minutes as a sub weird um That's assuming someone got hurt probably against an wolves yeah. and then yes played the full 90 against that city so he'd played 90 minutes in over three matches for us before starting against city stevie stevie might be the one he might have played his first he might have come in and started for his first one against um and he bagged the goal against city against, as well, against city so there is obviously a history of uh of players coming in and starting for the first time um, and uh, and doing something dirty against City. So let me see if that was his first one while you guys keep the yeah, podcast I mean, rolling. Uh, I, I mean, you, you called it bonkers, but I, I don't know if I would hate hit seeing him start. I don't know, man. Um, with that said, the last match that we had against City, I thought Emerson Royale played really well. So I, I wouldn't necessarily be disappointed uh, seeing him start either. But, That's actually a really good point. Is that this? These are the games we said that Emerson might actually still be a good value, right? Are the ones that we are playing more. On the oh yeah. Foot. Oh yeah. The games where we don't have possession. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, the, the, the games that we don't have possession are the games that he is best. Watching in. Poro get a start and then have his weaknesses displayed does not feel like a great way to introduce him to the Premier League. Like, hey, let's let's make you defend the whole game. 
All right. So Stevie, Stevie's last game for Eindhoven was uh, Jan 19. First game for us, Groundhog's Day. City started uh, goal against City. So, and that was what Jose Mourinho. Yeah. So I think yeah. the other thing too to to think about here as well is obviously like me. I don't remember what else the the team sheet was looking like um, looking like then, but um, you know, or who else? I mean, was... Sonny might have been hurt. Sonny, Sonny played. Delhi played. The starters were Winks. Geo. Wait, was this was this right after Poach left? Just like a couple months, right? Because Stevie got signed in January. Just like yeah, okay, yeah. Also, so do we always not, just yeah. play City in the first <laughs> week of February every time? <laughs> By the way, you know I love me some XG Groundhog Day. That's what it is. Uh, now also <laughs> also Stevie played. Where's, nice. where's Bill Murray when you need him? Stevie and Sonny scored in that in that game, February second, twenty twenty. Zinchenko got uh, was out with a red at, at sixty. Um, we scored at sixty three and seventy one. So the XG, oh, just a beautiful masterstroke of Jose. Zero point three for Spurs, two point four for City. Yet we blanked him two 0 <laughs> That That's sounds right. One. I like that. It. Was yeah. a, I I remember a few Jose Mourinho That's, masterclass tweets Pete going Jose. on after that yeah. game. Yeah um all right boys let's let's do it uh well i guess when you give your predictions i guess the other the other part of this is figuring out who we think might start i think the starters are probably going to be exactly the same um because if poro doesn't start we know dan juma's not and so yeah maybe there aren't really going to be any is anybody injured in our in our front right now in, in the strikers the forwards, I, I mean, guess, Richie is, uh, should be back to health. I was gonna say, Richie's no, good I think now, everyone, right? everyone's good except for Mora. Yeah, he's banging in goals with the U21s, so he's fine. I, <laughs> yeah, um, I would love to see Richie start. I also feel like I've been saying that for the past few months. And it, well, I was it, glad it to see happened, Sun so. start in the FA Cup match, right? To finally give Kane a rest. Like, we've been waiting for that. I think he had a, a you know, like a bug or flu or something, but still to see Sunny start and bag a brace, I mean, yeah. Not to, and Dan Juma got on the on the uh, on the sheet there too. Was a yeah, that was a, that was shot, a as beautiful as Sonny's goals were. That was just like a whoops. Uh, hey, yeah. went in. You know they don't, all look <laughs> it looked the same great in full sheet. speed. When you saw the replay, you're like, ooh, uh, uh, yeah. I feel like every time we play City, it ends up being a weird and crazy game. Uh, that's kind of been the case for the past like four years now. So I'm expecting another weird and crazy game on Sunday. Um, these games are so hard to predict because yeah, it's Spurs versus city. <laughs> um, we went up two goals against them on the road and then gave up four. Um, so like the, there always seems to be something that happens in these matches that are impossible to predict, which makes this kind of a dummy mission to begin with, but I'm going to say, Oh man. Uh, two, two draw. And, gonna, and Kane passes Greaves. Not bad. I'm, I'm going to go with 3-1 uh, City in expected goals, but 3-1 <laughs> Spurs. An XG prediction. Goals. I like that. Yeah. So I, I, I'll, I'll do I'll – do, actually, I'm going to do 2-2 two, two as well on the actual scoreline, but we're going to get blasted on expected goals for sure. Oh, of course. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I think, the same prediction that I had um, – in the last one, which um, was was holding true for a second, um, was three two three two Spurs definitely getting out XG'd for sure. Um, but I'm gonna also just give you a quick City versus Spurs stat that you're not gonna get on any other podcast um, about Spurs or otherwise. I just had the the Spurs versus City FB ref like all time matchup, all time assist leaders in this uh, in this fixture. Um, KDB, no surprise there as six. Um, second most assists in the history of City versus Spurs, uh, Tanga and Numbele with three. <laughs> he had five assists. His this entire, is why you come here, right? His entire Spurs tenure, he had five assists in 63 appearances in the league. And three of them, um, and three of them against against City. So PTP, or as Dicky B would call him, he knows when to, he knows when to come in and and uh, and make his impact felt. 
could disagree. Are you saying we should recall him from his loan for this one game? I, is if that's allowed, let's let's <laughs> let's find out. I think that would cost us a lot. It probably not allowed. Yeah, so he can jog around the pitch for seventy minutes, and not defend anyone, and have them play eleven v v ten. I mean, um, it's truly though, you know, I like you. We always joke about it. You see these popping up on YouTube and Twitter as soon as a guy is signed. It's like Dan Juma, a new Spurs signing, goals, highlight skill. You know, it's always like almost like a joke about like these guys put together these clips, right? And you can never tell how good of a guy or not is because, you know, anybody you could put together a very cool looking highlight. But imagine you just, you never heard of Tanga and Nobel and your team signs it's, him. It's all. And you just put together his Spurs highlight clip. <laughs> You're gonna be like, oh my god, this guy is incredible because like I can think of some of the yeah, goals Jesse. That's exactly what happened when we signed him, right? Like, and they're just <laughs> incredible. Exactly and what it's happened. like it was just he was just had so you know such incredibly incredible flashes, and you know ninety nine percent of it was uh, was was awful. But but he was, those, he, that was, 1% he was he was all highlights, no beautiful. no product. He was basically a midfield version of Adama Traore. Um, I'm good on Tangy coming back. I'm good on pretty much all those guys coming back, but I might I might give a second look to Regulon because I am really over Sessignon at this point. So um, I don't even want to go down that rabbit hole. Any final words before we wrap up, boys? I, I did see something, and I, I tweeted on my personal account that I, I, I should have done from the, the, the club or the podcast, but I thought it was kind of interesting. It was a, it was a screenshot of um, uh, Kyle Walker, and then um, Poro. all of the things. No, just all the all of the people <laughs> we've tried to replace Kyle Walker with. Oh, God. that's and what I was. How much have we spent on right backs? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna pull that up right it's now. It's got to be I, over 100 million. I saw it just the other day, um, and so it was. Yeah, replacing the, the caller, Cheese Room OC, um, put it up on uh, on on Twitter, and it was replacing Kyle Walker. It was Surge for 23 million pounds, Doc for 15. Um, Emerson for 26, Jed for 13 and Poro for 40 million. Um, and so like, that was just kind of crazy because it's like, I, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this one, but it's, I don't know if it's called the boots theory or like the, the, the boots pair parable of the boots, but it's from a, a older book about, um, kind of the concept of poverty and, um, that rich people, or in this case, rich clubs have to, um, you know, can a, a really good pair of boots cost $50. A person with a lot of money can buy that pair of boots. It's going to last them six, seven, eight years through winters and rains and those kind of things. A person that's not doing well financially but needs boots to walk around can only spend $10 on boots. They're terrible boots. They have to replace them every year or two. And so they're going to have to buy six or seven pairs of boots in the same time that the person with money is going to buy one. And it's also just like then that sort of keeps them being it's yeah. stuck in poverty. It's, a, it's they an end awful up spending cycle. more because they have less. Right. And so again, this is, we're talking about soccer, not, not to, 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 to extrapolate that at, at all, but like, that's sort of the thing. It's like, not that we could have, there wasn't an, an automatic, Oh yeah, let's do this one. But that's the kind of thing that we, that spurs, it feels like, you know, whoever the football director levy thinks like, Oh, let's just replace this guy. And so none this of these I'm talking have, about have this been the solution. Been but talking about all instead night. of replacing a 53 million pound player in, in Walker with a, another 50 or 60 million pound player, we've spent, I'm not, a, I'm not a math guy, but 23 plus 15 plus 26 plus 12 plus 40 looks like plus it's over a hundred. And we still don't know. Moral may be the answer, but we also <laughs> thought that a well, bunch of these other think, guys were going to be the answer. I think we, also, and, and, and don't forget, don't forget. We, yeah, we also had Trippier and we also and had Walker Peters. Walker Peters. Yeah, yeah, those I, are guys we didn't spend on, but it was, also, just guys that we. I thought we buy. did buy Trippier though. Did, did was he a, a free transfer or something? I thought we bought him. Um, well, he was he was there at the beginning of the Poch era. I feel like because he came from Burnley, I think, right? Yes, 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 yes. So yes, maybe yes. I think they might have bought him as a backup for Walker before they sold Walker. Yeah, maybe this that's was why this was not... before. Yeah, this was he was he was there beforehand, so he wasn't a, right. like a yeah. Let's go out and buy this guy to to replace him. He wasn't bought as a replacement. He was bought as a backup who became a replacement when Walker left. Yeah. yeah I mean, and Atletico Madrid has a sick fascination with our right backs too. What is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Came over Burnley from Spurs for 4.9 million euros. Sorry, I'm switching stuff, but that's how that's the, the different websites that I pulled up and then was sold for 22 uh, million to uh, Atletico four years later. So yeah, he was, how much do we buy him for? 
uh, 4.9 million euros. <laughs> Wait, we turned up, we turned a decent profit on uh, yeah, strip here. Then that's pretty funny. I mean, he was he was good. I he was, like really he was good. one of our better ball progressors. He's still good. I think he still leads Dude. the league in, cro- in, in successful crosses right yeah, now. And in, in, uh, for Newcastle, tearing Obviously it up. He's Newcastle. efficient at some other areas, but um, he's uh, he's he's good at crosses. He's got four assists this year, which um, that's that's strong from a from a right back for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a nice depressing way for us to end the pod. Thank you for that, Jesse. <laughs> I was actually I meant to bring that up earlier just because it crossed my mind how much we've spent on right backs because just Emerson and uh, Poro alone, not even thinking about the fact <laughs> adding those other ones, but just that alone is close to seventy million. So yeah. I will say, um, just to to add a little bit of positivity to the end of this, I mean, we did spend a pretty petty for Poro alliteration there. Um, it did feel like the main reason that that transfer took so long was because, you know, sporting was basically just trying to hoe us out of the deal. They agreed, then they backed out, and they said, actually, we want this, and actually, we want that. Um, but at the end of the day, we signed him, and I think. If that deal had fallen through and we did not sign Poro, this would have been a very different podcast. And I think the entire fan base would be in panic mode. And so like, yeah, this would have been a two or a one. Is a one exist yeah. without? Yeah, just it might've been, it like might've been a zero. So I <laughs> just mean, losing it, your favorite players. Yeah. Like, like we said, it's, it's not great, but it could have been worse. <laughs> And it was giving me a like slightly Grealish vibes from a few years ago when we were just yeah. dicking around with that. That was the oh, summer. Oh my goodness gracious. And that was one of the years that we didn't sign him when Poach wanted him. And it was like, this guy's a young, bright star, homegrown, all that, yada, yada. Dude, and he wanted to come here too. I think they wanted 20 and we were like, 18's the max. <laughs> and it was like, what are we doing? And then obviously he ended up being the most expensive English player, if not the most expensive, one of the most expensive players of all time. But um, I, I did, you know, I didn't hate it. Like it's not the exact levy medicine, but oh, you want to freaking let's let's deal. We're gonna make this as painful and annoying as possible. So I didn't hate levy getting a, a, a taste of a very similar medicine because we got the deal done. I would have been annoyed if we didn't, and for all the reasons that you all said. But I didn't kind of I didn't mind it. Maybe it's just like a little bit of like, hey, no, you so can't this- treat people like this because they're gonna get treat you just like that as well. The problem with this though is that I I agree with you from a seller's perspective but not from a buyer's perspective as much. I think that if you're the seller and you don't really want to give up that player, then yeah, of course you drag it out. You make it painful. If you're trying to entice another club to sell a player to you, I'm not saying just give what they ask. I mean, obviously there's some back and forth, but you're the one that's trying to appease the other team unless they're desperate and you know it, which is what they tried to play with the Grealish thing a few years ago. That's what they tried to do. They knew that Villa were desperate at that point and it still backfired. So I think that, if you're the seller and you actually you want to keep that player, you are in a much better bargaining position, basically, right? And I don't know. If, and they knew I that. Mean, obviously, Levy understands that, but he doesn't. He doesn't negotiate like it. Yeah. All right, back to depression. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> you knew it had to happen. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Thanks, guys.